Last episode of the season. <laughs> I was gonna say, is this? Are we doing like a real episode, or is this? <laughs> this is a real episode. I mean, is this the intro thing? That... Sure. <laughs> yeah. There I are no rules like to a this mini, thing because it's like a special last. It's a special last episode. <laughs> You're late to that party. Watching the process beginning to end. Talking shop with your musical friends. Austin and Mitch. Austin and Mitch. Write a musical. Hey. Hey. So here we are at the end of season two. And um, we've made zero progress on our show. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, probably about zero. Well, we talked through some ideas. Yeah. Like... It's germinating. Yeah. It's germinating. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But we have something special in store for you, um, which we'll share after. We share stories that we've been ingesting. Yeah. You um, first. Yeah. Well, so uh, some books. Um, I just finished. I just tore through. Um, oh, what's. I don't even know what the series is called, but it's Octavia Butler and. Mm. Uh, the the collection that I have is called Lilith's, Lilith's Brood, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that I, I don't think that's what it's what the series is called. But it's three books um, about these uh, aliens, the Owen Kali, who um, save humanity after a nuclear war, mm-hmm. um, and they come down and they. Um, basically interbreed with us uh-huh. and uh create like this is what their species does is they like find other species and they incorporate their genetics and become a new better version of themselves mm-hmm. um and then uh they go off into other parts of the galaxy and do it again um uh-huh. and uh it's great well it's a great <laughs> series i had i read it i think like too young to even really well no i don't know i read it in maybe middle school um and then like later in life people were like octavia butler writes such like sexy sci-fi and i was like does she (laughs) (laughs) and i was right i mean like it is it's there is sex involved because they're interbreeding but it's not like pornographic it's um yeah and like it's not even that sexy i don't think <laughs> it um, might be more sensual yeah but i i that's interesting because i uh have only really heard of octavia butler through the lens of black sci-fi that mm-hmm. that that's that she's one of the black female sci-fi specifically yeah. but um she is part of that scene as well yeah as sexy <laughs> sci-fi yeah but yeah so like the folks that i've spoken to are black women um, who just really admire and appreciate oh, yeah. her I stories mean, and that she's great. there and that yeah, she yeah. wrote what she wrote. And there are even people who kind of develop. Uh, have you read any of the Earthseed? Earth, the, the Parable of the Sower, Parable of... Oh. I forget what the other one is. No. But Parable of the Sower... And this is Earthseed. Earthseed, yes. Not to be confused with Earthsea, which is an Ursula K. Le Guin fantasy series. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, Earth Seed, I believe. Um, but there's in that in that series. I think it's only a two book series. But in that series, they have this like uh, the the lead character kind of develops her own 
philosophy slash faith. Mm-hmm. But people have actually taken those words, and I don't. I don't think there's like a church of Octavia Butler, but there are people who really try to follow what yeah. this character. And, and it's also because it's not really reinforcing any religion so much as like uh, basically the basic premise is that change is God, that God is mm-hmm. always that the fact that things on this earth are always changing. So that storyline you just described fits in with that of like there's this race of aliens going around and updating themselves so to yeah, speak yeah. by getting the best of whatever uh planet they encounter yeah. yeah it's interesting i i mean it's 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 great writing because and it's a great like exploration of the premise because it is um like about the subjugation of the human species um and yet I, at least i am like really rooting for the aliens the whole time because <laughs> because <laughs> like they're so nice <laughs> um but they are very controlling like yeah. you have to do what they say, or else they don't let you breed. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, which is also interesting. Like, uh, <laughs> like a central, <laughs> excuse me, a central, um, like driving motivation for all the characters. They really want to have babies uh-huh. to like perpetuate the human species. Uh-huh. And I, I just don't know if I buy that. <laughs> <laughs> like we. Like, like in a universe where the world has already been destroyed by humanity with nuclear war and these like all powerful aliens come down and you are like, I want to have a normal human baby and uh-huh. I will, I will spend my whole life resisting. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I it's not like ridiculous that they do that. It's just like that is a hugely motivating part of yeah, like yeah, yeah. a lot of the characters' actions. And um I think I'm just too much of a joiner. I'm like, oh, <laughs> gr- like like I would be all on board with these crazy Give me some aliens. of that alien lemon. Yeah, or just like I guess this is what it is now. <laughs> yeah, well, and I would say she it's not my guess without having read the book would be that she is probably trying to show that that resistance may be the incorrect response mm, so i maybe right. yeah maybe yeah. I, that's my guess is because she's all i feel like she is all about like what is the next phase how how do we keep moving how do we keep changing because if we keep trying to hold on to what was already passed mm-hmm. um you know like like it's described in the book it's like the humanity is essentially wiped out and maybe it's time to look for something some other way to survive or yeah. move forward yeah instead of gripping on to this identity that you had before which is very deep, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you let it get deep. But cool, yeah, um, yeah. And then, well, so and then, on the complete like opposite side to that is, I haven't been able to. I, I've been working so much, I haven't been able to like go out and explore and find a new book to read. Mm. So I've just been listening to this Name of the Wind book, which I bought as a uh, an audio book. Um, and gave up on because it was so uh, male-driven. Mm. <laughs> like, it's just a fantasy book about a dude who's just really good at stuff, and uh, all the other characters, as far as the vast majority go, are, are also men, and occasionally women show up as, like, duh. <laughs> it's like, because there are women in the world, so sometimes you see one. <laughs> Like, they never, at least so far, don't ever say anything interesting. Um, so I gave up on that book in disgust. But now, but it's super popular. It's, like, one of the best 
rated fantasy novels of, mm, of the of last decade. Yeah. <laughs> but so I'm now going back to it. And I, I can't say that I'm loving it, but now that I like know what it is, I, I'm listening to it. And it's, <laughs> um, I love a story with a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My hope is that we're going to get some like really great uh, magic mechanics or something. Mm-hmm. Like It's going to be really fun to be with this wizard. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I might give up on it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but what about you? Uh, I saw, finally, uh, several months too late, uh, John Cho's film. I mean, not that he directed. He's in it. Uh, Searching. Oh I yeah, don't know yeah, if yeah. You, did you ever see that? I did not see it, but I know um, I know that it exists, and I would be interested in seeing it. How? Did, where did you see it? Did you rent it? I streamed it. Okay. Yeah, I rented it. Um, and I, yeah, it got great reviews and all that, but uh, it, it's kind of a premise, or it, it's in the form in a form that you think could just be terrible mm. and, and gimmicky because it kind of most of the sh- of the movie takes place through the the family's computer screen or screens mm. so it's like you literally are watching a desktop and then they open facetime and that's how you see a camera shot oh interesting. or they open an old video file and that's how you know that he's reminiscing about something huh. so it has potential to be really cheesy really bad yeah um but it works mm-hmm. and it ends up being a thriller about his daughter goes missing so it it, it yeah i was i i really liked it i don't yeah. know there's not not much else to say about it. the the kind of the ending. There's like a there's you know twists and turns along the way as you do with a thriller, and so that that part's kind of standard uh, for that genre. But the form that it took was really interesting, um, and you know they had to go to like CCTV. It was it's kind of like found footage, mm-hmm. except it's not just found footage. It's like <laughs> yeah, people's screens, people's laptops. Yeah, yeah. Um, that. So that reminds me of the movie Cloverfield. Oh yeah. Um which did you see that? Yes. Yeah. Um I did not enjoy it. You didn't. It's not well so one is not really my jam, but the movie started and it's like this is found footage or whatever. Uh-huh. And I was really excited cuz I was like what a great premise that you would like show like a Godzilla style attack. Um, Way to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> You don't know that until like thirty minutes in. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but uh, to show that from like all of the like it's a modern age, like everybody's got a camera with them. Right, right, right. Like, what would that be like to like assemble a movie out of all that found footage? But instead of that, it is one camera. Yeah. That miraculously <laughs> records... captured everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like they even they even have to, and that was so distracting to me the whole time. Mm. It's like. They're like, oh, I got to cross this rickety, this rickety piece of metal. And it's like, why are you filming right now? Like, <laughs> like run for your life. Yeah. And they even like have to reference it. He's like, they're even talking about it. It's like, I got to keep filming. Like people are going to want to know what happened. <laughs> it's like, this is insane. Like the battery life on this camera. That's like this, really it's funny. just crazy. <laughs> And I couldn't get over that. That's really funny. Yeah. I mean, so Searching has moments that are like that. That mm-hmm. are like, okay, I guess they just happen to be in a place that does live streaming. Sure. You know, so yeah, there, yeah. you had to get past that. So there are those little hitches throughout. But I do 
think the the like the final story of it all came through well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's Sweet. what I that's what I enjoyed recently. <laughs> so we thought to finish off season two, season two, <laughs> we would share a couple songs with you and just it's just for fun. Yeah, these are not Proxima songs. These no. are just songs that we have written for other stuff in the past. Yeah. And um, I don't know, just for, for yeah. Just I, to share. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm going first. Yeah, um, what are you going to share with us? Uh, this is going to be a song from Fly Guy, the musical. Mm-hmm. Um, which, Based on a children's book series of the same name. Yep, by Ted Arnold. Um, and... This uh, is uh, we. So I have very few cast recordings of my stuff because mm-hmm. they are uh, difficult to yeah. organize and, and get everybody. Yes, and all that. Um, but this we this was early in rehearsal, but we managed to like sort of put some mics in a room and record a couple things. Um, and um, yeah, it, this is a song between the two flies. Uh, this is also a song that I mentioned, I think, in the last episode that um, my music director friend Grace uh, does really great work on my uh, less than stellar harmonizing sometimes, and she fixes it. And this song, the way that I'd written it, um, had some harmonies, but this I don't even know what Grace did, but she definitely, it sounded way better than what I'd originally put together. So um, thank you, Grace. <laughs> um, <laughs> And yeah, this is um, in in one of the books. Fly guy meets fly girl. Um, fly guy is a pet fly, um, and he for most of the series he's the only pet fly because that's sort of an unusual pet to have. Um, but in one of the books, he meets another pet fly, and they really hit it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the show, this is fly guy and fly girl sort of meeting each other for the first time and getting to know each other. How do they meet? Um, they're, they both, they're, they're humans. Um, in the show, their humans meet, uh, on a, at school. It's, uh, Liz's first day at school. Uh, in the book, I think they just like run into each other on the street. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, I, I, what I'm proud of with the song is that feels, very well it feels sort of standalone in its way like it's one of the songs in the show and i think that's also why i'm choosing to share it it's like it it feels like a complete song on its own not like um it needs the show around it Mm -hmm. um which is both good and bad in a show like sometimes those songs feel like they just kind of start and end and don't have much going on elsewhere um but uh i think it's catchy and it's fun to play people were telling us that we should perform this at our wedding. <laughs> um, it's very cute. Yeah. Um, it has um, love is an open door vibes from Frozen without the mm, villainous mm-hmm. undertones <laughs> that are revealed. Spoilers of that song. But yeah, it has a very meat cute vibe yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I guess we'll just play it. Yeah. Oh, who's singing in it? Oh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> um it's uh, Dominic and Anne. Um, oh, no. What's Dominic's last name? I don't know how to pronounce it. Dagdagan. D-A-G-D-A-G-A-N, I think. Yeah. Um, sorry, and Dominic. Anne Norland. Yeah, sorry, Dominic. <laughs> um, 
but they and are Orland, they're yeah. amazing. Dominic was Fly Guy, and Anne was Fly Girl, um, yeah. and they are both wonderful people and wonderful singers and performers. So um, here you go. Is this for real? Are you for really real? We're even saying things the same right now, so what's the deal? I can't explain it, it's so strange to feel This crazy, insanely amazing appeal Cause I never realized that up until this point in my life I have never known another one who knows what it's like to be me Not just a witness, but someone who's actually lived it And you are like a wish come true so great. I think everything about you is great. And I know we just met and I don't really know you, but I guess that it only takes a second to make an impression. And in this particular case, the impression is great. I think you're so great. I can't believe it. Who would conceive it? That we would meet and meet a need I never knew I needed. Things were good, I thought they couldn't be beat I was so convinced that my life was complete Until this unexpected twist A missing piece I never knew that I missed And now I know somebody else that knows what it is to be me Not just a witness, but someone who's actually lived it Cause we are so unusually well suited to be good friends What are the odds that we You're so great. Oh, I think you're so great. Austin. I think you're so great. Um, so yeah, so that's that's the song that I wrote. Is it called "I Think You're So Great"? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I I never know what to title songs and shows. Oh, do you, what do you do when you put them in the script with the music numbers? Oh, I mean, I I just like I mean, I guess I just choose a title, oh. but like. <laughs> Um, I feel like for writing music for an album or something, there's like sort uh, of an, sort of an art to like titling your song, um, eh. and okay. yeah, I just like choose like the first couple words in the chorus or something. Yeah, the one thing I do I did learn about titles is what not to spoil. Now I th- I don't think BACT publishes song titles in their oh, programs. Yeah, but that's a there good. are. The the anecdote that I that stuck with me is if I can say this really quickly is mm-hmm. in chorus line. There's a song that uh, one of the auditioners sings about <laughs> tits and ass, basically. She that she got plastic not a family surgery podcast. To, <laughs> you know, not a she, family podcast. She got plastic surgery to get her boobs enlarged and her ass enlarged, and they titled it that. Mm-hmm. And the joke was ruined. So the punchline when oh. she actually gets to tits and ass, like the mm-hmm. laughs were minimal, according to the anecdote. 
So they removed the title from the playbill and instead called it Dance 10 Looks 3, which are the first lyrics of the song. She goes, Dance 10 Looks 3. Mm. So that when she finally gets to tits and ass, it's a surprise. Yeah. So that is something I that stuck with me of like, oh, when to not give away your punchline in the title totally, of the song. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just, I don't know why they need to, but they standard, I, I, for the people who are bored and need to look ahead, they print out... <laughs> the song titles yeah 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 in the no, playbills that's t- yeah I hadn't thought about that yeah but, yeah that is true <laughs> um well so what's this one what's yours called what is mine called mine is called The Funny Pages and it's from The Four Immigrants um uh, which I've talked about before a musical manga an American musical manga yes uh which had its world premiere at Theaterworks in 2017 and this particular song uh, I wrote kind of before the first full-length reading, almost like right before. Uh, the character who's singing it is Henry, who is also uh, the author of the original comics that the book is that the show is based on, and he was the hardest character to nail down or to figure out. I think I was nervous because he was a real-life person, whereas the other characters, there's some question around that, um, and yeah especially in act one he didn't have much voice Mm. um and what used to happen this happens right after the 1906 earthquake because this happens at the turn of the 20th century in san francisco and what used to be there i kind of wrote generally speaking a circusy act because i was really taking the vaudeville idea and turning trying to take each scene and make it into some kind of vaudeville act so i said okay after an earthquake it's mayhem Mm -hmm. so circus um but, yeah, when when I got feedback that we needed to hear more from Henry, uh, because we didn't really get what his perspective was or why was he even writing these comics in the first place, this portion is where I landed because who would view the aftermath of an earthquake in a comic sense? Who would actually decide to put it in a comic strip? It's Henry. So this became the moment where uh, Henry finally tells the audience a little bit about why, how he sees the world. Mm-hmm. How in the face of tragedy, um, he he views it in this humorous lens, both as a coping mechanism, but also just because he's that kind of an interesting guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so these lyrics, unlike your song, they're very much entrenched in the show. I don't. It doesn't make sense to perform this as a solo, uh, other than like a musical theater cabaret night. Mm-hmm. Um, like it can't be a pop song. Uh, but it definitely has a circus feel to it. That's like residue from when it was imagined as a circus scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is that all these other characters that he's singing about are coming in and out uh, and done in this very heightened cartoon manner. And it's intentionally supposed to, for those of the audience members who might be like, but this is this is an earthquake. Why are we trying to make jokes? Like that's kind of his point throughout mm-hmm. this whole song. So this is... The Funny Page is sung by James Sol, a part of the original cast from the cast album, which is available yeah. uh, via my website, www.minkong.com. That's K-A-H-N-G.com. And here is The Funny Pages. Here we go. <laughs> you wonder why I'm laughing. I know I seem insane. I promise there's a reason, allow me to explain. When tragedy befalls us and hopes are cut in half, 
What better time to look around and laugh? <laughs> For example, the flames and smoke are dancing and causing such a fright. To temper their advancing, they try some dynamite. Five, four, three, two, one. They blow a couple buildings and then they start to curse. Their plan to stop the burning has only made it worse. Whoops! It belongs in the funny pages. We did what we could, but as the brutal fire rages, our efforts are proven to be futile. How else can we muddle through but let out a chuckle and quip that our sorry fate would be great as a comic strip? Now here's another story about a decent man. He's called Dr. Omori, seismologist from Japan. He's come to help us survey our heaps of ash and scrap. But when the white folks see him, they only see a Jap. Go home. Are you all right, sir? Don't they understand? I'm only trying to prevent further damage in the area. Prevent further damage in the area? Maybe you should invest in a helmet. Let's put that in the funny pages as social malaise begins descending. Bet my wages that worries like these are far from ending. Find the humor in the hurt. How else will we get a grip? All the troubles we face make an ace of a comic strip. I don't mean you needn't crumble at misfortune. Yet pain and shock and grieving have their place. But when it's dark enough to light a torch in, the torch could be the laughter on your face. Frank and Charlie, now furnished with free food, and there's a guard at checkpoint who's in a sour mood. And Frank and Charlie worry, since they are Japanese, they might be walking targets for guards to search and seize. Quick, let's walk as close to that white lady as possible. Let's pretend we're her help. It's a scene for the funny pages. Our heroes are learning to adapt. <laughs> From fools to sages, although it once seemed their dreams were sapped, we all wish life would filter out the parts that we'd rather skip. But there's your answer, folks. I swear this is no hoax. If you keep cracking jokes each time you slip, all those moments of hell will be swell as a comic strip. <laughs> so that was the funny pages. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we've reached the end of season two end of season two um so yeah we will take a little time off for 
me to finish these two shows that I desperately need to finish. And for me to go away for a bit and come back. Travel around. Um, But then season three, we should be writing in earnest. Yeah, I'm hoping that we'll find time in the second half of this year. Mm -hmm. uh, And then we'll have something to launch season three in 2020. Oh, yeah, oh, that's weird auspicious. To think about. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, this is my only creative thing that I have lined up um, after Llama Llama, so I am fully ready to go whole hog. Great, um, whole Proxima. Yeah. Um, well, thank you all, everybody who's listening to this right now. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks um, everybody. Uh, yeah. And, and keep sending us emails, even though we're we're taking a break in between seasons, because we might start off the next season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Min at gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Bye. Amwam is produced by Austin Zumbro and Min Kong. Theme song composed by Austin Zumbro, performed by Austin Zumbro and Min Kong. Logo designed by Melissa Nigro. If you like our podcast, leave us a review and subscribe.